so excited to see all of you here this morning. I've anticipating this message all week. I truly have. Um, I believe that God's really going to speak to us through his word this morning. I believe that he's going to bring some revelation. I believe that he's going to bring some encouragement. I believe that God is building us up for great things. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today, what I want to do is uh, we're going to continue in our uh, series, sermon series called The Counselor. And, and uh, last week was great, and, and I'm, I'm very confident that this one is also going to speak volumes to you. But I want us to, uh, to, to talk a little bit this morning specifically to those of you that, that really feel like maybe, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I really, I, I enjoyed last week and, and I enjoy every week and, and, and I'm into God's word. But man, right now, I really need a touch from God. Right now, I really need God to, to, to bring some clarity. Um, you know, I, I've got a problem. I've got something that I'm challenged on in my life. And, and I need God to solve it because I can't do this on my own. Um, you know, maybe it's something that you've been praying about, uh, something that maybe you've been confiding in others about. Um, you know, maybe it's something that right now you're needing a miracle. You, you really need to hear from God. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I've been burdened this week with this message. Um, you know, every time I would uh, just, just sit down and study it, it was just like I could feel God in it. I could feel his spirit in it, him speaking, because I believe that God is going to, 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 to reveal to you and bring some revelation into your life this morning that you're just going to go, it's so easy, but why haven't I thought about this before? Why did I not see this coming before? Um, there's a question that Jesus had asked uh, two blind guys, and we're going to get that, and it's in Matthew chapter 9. But he asked this one question. He says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Think about that for, for a moment, that question. And, and, and then also think about your situation, your challenge maybe. I don't want to say problem, but I want to say challenge this morning. What is it that's challenging you? What is it that's perplexing you? What is it that, uh, you know, keeping you awake at night? What, what is it that's, that's just making you uneasy? What is it that when you think about coming to the church, you're going, ah, oh, I just don't want to go there because I got so much going on and my problems are bigger than what God is. Jesus asked this question to these two blind guys and he said, do you believe that I am able to do this? I want to give you a little bit of context of a few verses that we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to dive right into them in a moment. But Jesus had just finished healing a girl, and he raised her from the dead, which is pretty remarkable, I must say. You know, this, uh, this girl is in a room. She's dead. Jesus walks in, walks out. The girl's with him. Wow. I'm glad you guys are excited. All right. If that was in your situation, I think you might be just a little bit excited. You know, walks into a room, there's a dead girl, walks out of the room, and the girl's walking with her. That's ballistic. That's crazy. That's insane. That is like, that's how big he is. He's bigger than death. That's huge. All right. Rumors flying around, stories, people telling about the miraculous works that this man is doing. And I'm guessing that these two blind guys had heard about it. They heard about the miracles that Jesus was performing. They heard about the great signs and wonders and, and just the, the, the messages he was giving, the teachings he was giving. And so we're going to pick up Matthew 9. We're going to look at verse 27 through 30 here. And it's going to throw up here. And Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him. And this is what they said. 
They were calling out, have mercy on me, son of David. Two blind men calling out, have mercy on me, son of David. Now this is significance here, and this is why. By them saying, son of David, was indicating to everyone around them, everyone that was in the crowd, everyone that was following, the believers of Jesus as well as the skeptics, the critics, the people who were unbelief, the people who were pretty much believing that Jesus was blasphemous by doing these things and by proclaiming who he was. These men, these two men, by saying, son of David, have mercy on us or have mercy on us, son of David. These two men, by proclaiming that, this is critical moment here because here you have it that them proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. And that sent the Pharisees into a chaotic, upset, just highly volatile moment. Now, what I want you to understand is that the word calling out or the phrase calling out has some significance here. Okay? The significance of the words for calling out represents this. In the Greek, there's a different word for calling out, but the meaning of it is, 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 is a chaotic or, or a, an unavoidable cry. It is something that is just, it's a desperate mode, all right? It's kind of like this. I don't know if you've ever been here. I've been here before. I have kids. But I had this one, Caden, all right, that at moments can be so silent that it's deadly because it's, it's scary because there's times where, especially where he can move around and unlock the door and walk out into the yard and where's he at? And we're out there and we're calling for Caden. And then we're calling for Caden. And then this just chaotic moment begins to happen inside of you, right? And you're calling, Caden! You're going around other people's homes. Caden! I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm Andrea, get up. <laughs> I can't find Caden. You know, we're frantic. This happened a couple days ago. Don't turn us in. So we're outside and we're screaming for Caden. And you know where Caden was? He was in his room playing. I could have wrung his little neck in that moment. All right. Thought you'd enjoy that for a second. I did not enjoy the moment, okay? But this is what these guys were doing. They were going, have mercy on us, son of David. This wasn't them just communicating and just talking, but they were in a desperate moment. Think about when you, the last time you've been in a desperate moment. Think about the last time where inside of you, you were crying out, you're calling out. And this is what happened with them. They're saying, have mercy on us, son of David. Goes on to say, when Jesus had gone indoors, excuse me, go back, please. Have mercy on us, son of David. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. He says this question. When he, when he, Jesus, had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked them. This is important. This is a question that Jesus asked them. He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I have the power to make you well? What is their response? Yes, 
Lord, they replied. Yes, Lord, we believe. Verse 29. Then Jesus touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, according to your what? According to your what? Thank you. According to your faith, let it be done to you. In verse 30, and their sight was restored. Now, understand here for a moment that Jesus didn't act because of their social status. He didn't look at their reputation. He didn't look at their incomes. You know what he did? He did not look as to whether or not they attended service, church service, the weekend before. It wasn't according to any of this that mattered in this moment. The only thing that scripture says of the reasoning as to why Jesus moved the way he did in that moment is one word. And that word is faith. We understand that, you know, we've seen through scripture that it teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please who? God. God loves our faith. God loves it when we believe in faith. If we have faith, we can do something very much profound. We can move the heart of God. Because faith represents belief. You know, I, we live through life and as we go through life, I like to look at life as an equation. Because there's always problems. There's always things going on that add up and add up or subtract or multiply or divide us. And things happen. And sometimes the, the resolve isn't always what we're happy about. And then other times the resolve is what we're excited about. But I want to tell you this for a moment. If you will allow God to be a part of the equation of your life, profoundly, God will speak to you. God will move in you. God will move for you. God will move through you. As long as we allow God to be a part of the equation of our life. But at the same time, these men who, who were coming to Jesus and they were needing Jesus to do something, they understood that they had to have faith. You see, for some of us, it could be discouraging because in church circles, church groups, we can be kind of cruel when things don't happen the way we expect them or want them or pray to them. Well, the reason God didn't move is because you lack faith. And when God doesn't do something, God should get the credit, right? But oftentimes when God doesn't do it, then we get the blame for it. You know, statements like this, you didn't pray right. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't pray hard enough. I love this one. You didn't pray with the right sign off. You know, you prayed in Jesus' name rather than praying in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You weren't shouting when you prayed. And you weren't binding the devil when you prayed. In other words, whatever you did, you did not do enough. And you did not demonstrate enough faith. Which kind of raises this one question here this morning. What kind of faith does God honor in our life? What kind of faith? We know that what? Faith moves the heart of God. Scripture tells us this clearly. But what kind of faith does God honor? 
What kind of faith does God look at and say, you know what, now I will? We're going to look at three things this morning. And I want you guys to write them down. If you can't write them down, they're also in our YouVersion app. You can go there and check it out. But number one is this. God honors a faith that believes when it doesn't see. Let me, let me repeat that. God honors a faith that believes when it doesn't see. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we what? What is it? Cannot see. In other words, it's a confidence. In fact, Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 says this, and we looked at it already once, one other time. It said, when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind man, the blind man who we understand couldn't see physically, but he asked him this, do you believe that I am able to do this? And long before they ever saw the results of, their, of, of this situation, they were able to answer him with this statement, yes, Lord, we believe. So that refers us to look at our own life. And the challenges that we face. The things that are pressing us and, and bothering us and taking up so much space in our, our heart and our mind and our soul and our spirit. Things that are limiting us really from growing in God because we tend to harp on them and we tend to concentrate on the negative rather than looking at what God can do. Instead, we're looking at what God hasn't done quite yet. So the question today is, if you take whatever massive challenge that you're facing, whether it's a relational challenge, a physical challenge, financial, spiritual, doesn't matter. Do you believe that God is able to hear your prayer and answer on your behalf? The church answer is yes. I believe that. Yes, I believe that God can do that. Why? Because we've been trained that way. We've been trained to believe or to say that God can do anything. But do we really believe that God can do anything? Your actions and the words that you say actually speak more volumes into what you believe. You can say, I believe in it, but how much time have you put prayer involved in it? Think about that. Ask yourself in the last seven days, what were you praying about faithfully every day? Some of you might actually say not much at all. What you pray about reflects what you believe about God. If you don't pray about much, then that shows that you really don't believe that God is active. You don't believe that God is involved. You don't believe that God can. If you don't pray much, that really shows what you believe about God. If you're praying for some really big things and you believe that God can do really big things. But oftentimes we look at our big things and we don't even take it before God. Because we have allowed doubt and unbelief and our own selfish agendas to interrupt what God is wanting and what God can do in our lives. How many times have we been just so spiritually and physically and mentally wore out over our challenges and problems that we've not even taken it before God? We just hope that God moves in our behalf. But yet we don't take the time to communicate it to God. I think it's safe to say that we do that a lot. 
I think we can all be guilty this morning of saying, I don't spend enough time in prayer. I'm not talking about before you go to bed. I'm not talking about that prayer before your meals. I'm talking about that prayer where you sincerely say, Lord, this is what's going on. I need you. I need you now. I need you strong. God, the weight of the problem, the weight of the challenge is so strong on my shoulders and so heavy. There's times that I got, I just can't pick it up. Sometimes there's moments where, Lord, I can continue to lift it. But then after a while, God, it just gets old and it gets tiring. And what do we do? We just kind of drop it. We almost become numb to those challenges. If you remember, several series ago, I spoke about being numb and how really that can hurt us rather than help us. And so we end up becoming numb to prayer because we get in our minds that God's not going to answer this. He's not, he's not moving in my behalf. He's not doing what I need him to do. You know, there's people in this room, and I promise you this this morning. There's people in this room who are hurting. There's people in this room just like these two blind men who were in a moment of desperation, a calamity. They were crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Some of you in your spirit, you're crying out to God, but yet you're not allowing yourself to pray it to God. And why? Only you can answer that. Only you know why you've not given it to the Lord. Only you know why you've not communicated it to God. You know, I I don't know what your story is. I don't know what... What's going on in your life? Some of you, by not praying over the things, you're limiting God in his power. You're saying, God, you know what? I don't think you can do it. And my worry is going to accomplish my goal. That does not make any sense at all. But that's exactly what we're doing. By not giving these situations over to God. I don't know what you believe in God is. and I wonder, do you believe that God can heal a broken marriage? Do you believe a God that God can bring a family closer together? Do you believe that God can heal someone? Do you believe that God can be an encourager and build people up? Do you believe that God can take what you think is very impossible and make it possible? Well, if you believe these things, then we need to come to God boldly, believing, just as these two men did. They came to him boldly. Jesus asked him the question, do you believe I am able to do this? What kind of faith honors God? It's a faith that believes even though it doesn't see. The second kind of faith that honors God is this, a faith that persists when nothing changes. Think about this. The guys cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us, son of God. And what does Jesus do? He keeps on walking. He walks indoors. It's kind of funny in a way, I guess. Because these guys are crying out and... Jesus just acts like he didn't hear him. He just walks right on by. They followed him. They came almost 
right to him and, 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 and they kept thinking to themselves, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to continue to follow. He's either going to heal me or he's going to kick us out. But we're not going away. We're going to continue to be persistent. All right, so here's the story or an example. I got two boys, three boys actually. But I've got two who, you know what, I'm not going to lie, all three of them do this. They stay persistent until they get what they want. Right? Continue to ask and don't give up. Now, the little guys are really bad about it. All right? They'll ask and they'll ask and you can say no a hundred times. And they're going to continue to ask and they're going to continue to ask and they continue to ask. And I can threaten them to send them to the room. It doesn't matter. They're going to continue to ask. Because why? Because they know dad's going to eventually do what? He's going to cave. He's going to cave. And what's going to happen? Unfortunately, I'm going to give them a bad example and give them what they're asking for. It's kind of what happened here in this moment. What are the the blind guys doing? They're sticking to him. They're not giving up. They're staying persistent. Look, you're going to heal us or you're going to kick us out. But if faith that persists is faith when nothing else changes. Colossians 4.2 says this. We are to be persistent in prayer. We are to be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray. Giving thanks to God. It's a different version. I apologize. But... Being persistent in prayer and keeping alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. In other words, what you're doing is you're going to be thanking God for what he's not done yet because you know he's going to do it later. That's coming to God and saying, God, I'm thanking you for the healing of my family member, the healing of myself. I'm thanking you, Lord, that you're going to open this door even when I don't see it, even when everything else around me says it's impossible, I'm thanking you, God, that you're going to open the door and I'm going to see your hand move. I'm thanking you right now. I'm not giving up. And, and we stay persistent about it. We continue with God about it. God, don't give up on me. Don't give up on me, God. But you know what's interesting is God is actually the one that's not giving up. But rather, many times it's us giving up. And uh, Jesus told a great story in Luke chapter 18. And, and here's this, you know, unrighteous judge. And there's this lady who continued to bother him, the judge. And she's like, hey, hey, judge, you know what? I need you to do this. And the guy's just, as you read in Scripture, you can read it. The Bible, you know, actually, you should read it because the Bible is fun. It's interesting. It's eye-opening. It's encouraging. And you need to try it. So... Here's a story in Luke 18, and Jesus is telling it of this this unrighteous judge who was just totally ignoring this lady, but she just constantly persistent, coming to him, coming to him, coming to him, until he finally breaks. He says, all right, you can have what you want. Jesus said this, if an unrighteous judge would be moved by the persistence of someone, how much more, how much more would a loving father respond to the faithful, persistent prayers of his children? I, I need to repeat that because somebody didn't get it. If an unrighteous judge would be moved by the persistence of someone, 
How much more would a loving father respond to the faithful, persistent prayer of his children? God responds to faith that does not give up. That is a game changer. That, wow. I know that, you know what, there's those of you this morning who have been praying. You've been praying over something for a long time, possibly. Why are you still praying? Maybe the voice comes in your head. Why do you still believe? God could never do that. It's never going to happen. A faith that honors God is a faith that persists, even though things do not change. Even though you do not see it, but rather you continue to believe. That's the kind of faith that moves. What kind of faith moves the heart of God? A kind that believes when you don't see. A kind that persists even when nothing changes. And this is the third one. A faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. You see, there's a big difference between hope and faith. Hope is a desire. But faith is a demonstration. Hope is an inward desire, feeling. But faith moves. Faith acts. And faith works. James Uh, the brother of Jesus described about Abraham's faith, that it was marked by actions. We we, we know the story. Um, You know, he's supposed to take his son and sacrifice him on the mountain. And so Abraham is preparing. He's getting everything together, getting the sticks together, getting the stone for the altar, getting, you know, uh, the string to, to, to tie up his son. And he's getting everything together, gets his son, walks up to the mountain, prepares the sacrifice. And, I can't help but thinking inwardly he, didn't, he doesn't want to do this. But obedience right here is huge for Abraham. And we understand that as he takes his son, God interrupts. He says, you know what? You passed the test. You've shown your faith. I'm providing the sacrifice for you. James describes the faith and the action of Abraham this way. In James 2 and 22, he says, you see... Abraham's faith and his actions were doing what? Working together. His faith was made complete by this. Not just by what he thought. Not just by what he prayed. But his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith, his actions worked together. What kind of faith honors God? It's a faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. I mean, think about the blind guys for a second. They could have been like any of us. Probably most of us in here have been in this situation. All you can think about is your problems, how big your challenge is, how big your issue is. And it, 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 it takes away from our faith and, and it takes away from what we're really doing is limiting God and what God can do. Even though God is limitless, God can do anything. But when we look at our problems and and we think to ourselves, well, you know, it doesn't make sense for God to do this. Or I don't think God can work in this manner or move in this way. What we're really doing is limiting God on what he wants for your life. You know, what's interesting to me is, is I was reading this and studying on it a little bit. These guys could have really played the self-pity game in the sense of, you know what, we can't see. 
First of all, how are we even going to get to him? There's small things that happened before this event really took place. They had to get there, didn't they? They had to put things in place in order to get themselves to where Jesus was. I don't know what they used. They probably had some friends or family to take them with them. You need to understand that these guys weren't pitied upon. They were looked down upon in this community. Because back then, if you were blind or if you had the leprosy or you had the different things, it was because your parents had done something or you had done something so wrong that it was a curse from God. It wasn't just an ailment. You've been shamed. You've been plagued with this. So it wasn't like people were jumping to these guys' rescue saying, hey, I'm going to help you to get to Jesus. These guys had to set out with a goal and begin to put things in place to get themselves there, to get to Jesus. How many of us, when we have our challenges and our problems, do, do we even put the effort in to take it to God? What I'm meaning by that is even setting time aside, giving an opportunity for God to move. Coming together with your faith and with your brothers and sisters in faith saying, I need prayer in this area confidently. I need you to help me. I can't do this on my own. And that's what was happening with these guys. They knew that they couldn't get there on their own, but they needed help to get there. And so they get there, and what is even, even more crazy about this situation is that they, they're crying out in a moment of desperation. Have mercy on us, son of David. Life was as low as it could be for them in this moment. They could have cared less when everyone else thought that he was the Messiah. And they would be looked down upon even more than what they've already been looked upon. Because there was many who were there who weren't believers, but they were critics of this man named Jesus. They weren't believers. They weren't followers. They were there to find a loophole. They were there to find a problem. They were there to find a mistake. And these men didn't care. They made sure they found a way to get to the foot of Jesus. And when they got there and it looked like it was over because Jesus continued... They didn't give up. What does scripture say? They followed him in. How did they get there? How did they follow him through the door? How did they get around the people? They couldn't do it on their own. What did they do? They set it up. They put things in place. They progressed. They stayed persistent. And then when they got to him, all he had to do was look at him and say, do you believe? And they said, yes. And what did he do? Because of your faith, it's done. Stand with me this morning. The bottom line is this. You have to have blind faith. You have to have faith. A faith that believes even though it doesn't see. 
A faith that persists even though nothing changes. And a faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. What is your challenge today? What is the challenge, the issues, the problems that's been plaguing you as an individual, as a family? It's none of my business, really. It's between you and God. But you know what? I want it to be my business this morning because I want to be, I want to think that you're going to set things up because you need help to get to Jesus. I want to help you. Like those two blind guys, they had to have people to help them. I want to be that help for you. I want to stand in that gap and I want to say, you know what? I'm going to pull you along. I'm going to help you get to the Lord. I don't know what your ailment is. I don't know what your struggle is. But I know that they're in this room right now. Because I don't think I would be so driven about this message as I've been driven throughout this week. Of God laying it on my mind and my heart. Every time I think of you, I think, God, help them. Encourage them. Build them up. God, let me be that person in the gap for them to, to carry them pull them along, to lead them and to guide them. So what's bothering you? What's challenging you? Where's the hurt? Because I want to help you. See, I can't make it happen. But those two blind guys, they had to have individuals in their life to get them to Jesus. And this morning, I want to take you to the foot where you can look at him and say son of David have mercy on me you're my Messiah I love you and there's nothing too big that God can't handle there's nothing too strong that he can't lift off of your life there's nothing so insignificant so this morning here's my question God right now to help you in a challenge, to help you in an issue, to help you in a problem. 